Another Sunday golds here is Florida State is 9-3. and three. Aria Masudi and Brett Nevitt and Florida State, they have a week in which, uh, you know, uh, good and bad, a little bit of a mixed. Um, it's been a minute since Brett and I have gotten together to be able to do one of these podcasts. And uh, the last time we spoke, Florida State knocked off TCU and, and what a big series victory that was it felt like the Knowles were the darlings Brett of college baseball everybody was singing their praises and uh, I think you know both you and I were were very pleased but also cautioned that it is a long season and that you know things are going to happen there will be peaks and valleys and uh, little did we know that the valley at least early in the season was going to come at the hands of FGCU a series loss in Tallahassee that I think humbled uh, some people and, and maybe simmered down some of this, uh, the heat, so to speak, that Florida State had caught um, around the country. And, and you know, it's, it's, you know, a mix of good and bad. Nothing to be alarmed about, I think, going forward. Uh, but it is a college baseball season, and the Seminoles fell uh, in a series at the hands of the FGCU Eagles. Yeah, and, I, you know, coming into the season, we talked about how Florida State's pitching depth is thin and that, you know, you need to – execute when you're out there as a staff you need to execute as a coaching staff with the moves of those of that of that group when it when it is thin um to get guys in positions to succeed and um we talked about the the core five kind of jackson ballmeister um montgomery crowell whitaker um i forgot the other one we we always mentioned in there but we talked about how those guys, you needed to get the best case scenarios from those guys. And when you did, you'd be really good. And we saw that at TCU, Jackson Ballmeister gave you a best case scenario start. Um, and then the next weekend, it, it you don't get the same. Um, and, and these are what the results look like. And, you, and then when you top well, on top of that, some bad base running mistakes, some bad fielding mistakes that cost you runs, um, you're going to lose series to, to a team that has a bunch of veteran experienced guys, really physical guys. Um, I mean, FGCU's lineup had five guys in their, in their lineup that were older than me and I'm 23 years old. I mean, their, their leadoff hitter was 24 years old. Um, so that's an experienced group you were playing guys that have played a lot of college baseball. They took advantage of mistakes. Um, and they weren't afraid of the moment and they, they were able to close games out and, um, they come away with a series win, but, you know, it's not the end of the world. This is college baseball season. It's 55-game grind. It's peaks and valleys, and we've seen a little bit of both early. But overall, being 9-3 and after 12 games, I think if you had told me that's what Florida State would be before the season with a road, road series at TCU this early, um, 100%, 100% would take that through 12 games. Yeah, so there's a good primer for what to expect on this show Uh, Colton Vincent will also join us here on Sunday. Gold's Brett sat down with him. We'll get to that uh, in just a little bit. Uh, Florida State's catcher who has been on a red-hot streak through the first 12 games of the year. Now, we're on Spotify, on Apple, everywhere else that you get your favorite podcast. We would appreciate those of you on Apple if you could give us five stars and and leave us a review. It really helps. And and to those of you that are donating on Anchor, uh, we really appreciate that as well. I think that was unexpected, but um, it does help. And uh, we do appreciate those of you who have been supporters of us uh, financially as well. So, uh, Brett, let, let's start with the good, because I really don't think that this podcast should be, you know, sounding the alarm or anything negative. Uh, we're not going to question Link and his staff. That's not, you know, I don't think that that's reasonable. 
right now, and it's one of the best staffs in the country. I think both of us still believe that. Uh, we'll talk about some things that happened maybe midweek against USF that led to Florida State not being in its best position possible when they played FGCU. Um, but let's begin with the lineup. I, I think that's where everything is golden right now. It's injured a little bit, yet the depth is really showing. There's a lot of talent there, and it's a, it's a baseball team that has turned the lineup around 180 from a year ago, um, and it's a group that I think you can count on for a 60-game regular season. Yeah, and I mean, like you mentioned, Colton in this hot start, when you have that in the bottom of the order, and Nanders hit a couple of home runs the last couple of games, um, you have a lineup that's deep, one through nine, you make pitchers pitch for a whole nine innings and a whole weekend you're going to put up a lot of runs I mean this lineup's already scored 10 plus runs in, in eight of 12 games this season um, I think they've scored two plus runs in in, in the first inning of six straight games um, so I mean it's just it's fun to watch them hit right now a lot of guys are swinging the bat well like we talked about Colton a little bit um, but Jordan obviously keeps swinging the bat well Tibbs has done a really good job this season Jaime um Trayton's done a good job at the top of the order um of kind of solidifying that a little bit after they had um a rough stretch after Diamas went down um but like you said we I mean we only saw Maguire Holbrook for for one day and it was really impressive and we don't know when he's going to be back because he injured the hamstring um and we don't know yet exactly when Diamas is going to be back but when you get those two guys back with the guys you already had, plus a Ben Barrett who really showed out this weekend and his first weekend um, at the plate, um, it's you're going to have a really good one through nine uh, at the end of the year. And, and right now you have a good one through nine too. But when you're at full strength and with a little more experience, um, it's going to be really fun to watch, I think. I, you know, retweet, ditto that. Uh, it's It's been fun. I think that's that's the best – word to use for it is that Florida State is fun especially offensively and not many series right that you're going to lose when you score 32 runs on the weekend 42 hits I think uh, in the three games and so it, it was a offensive showcase over the weekend by the Knowles and the Eagles and you're getting contributions all the way through I like that you mentioned the bottom of the order if it gives you that I, I just think you're going to have one of the best lineups in the ACC all season long and you and I were actually talking Brett I remember after the Sunday game and, and we were putting our heads together about long term what this team could look like maybe there would be some bumps in the road like we talked about hills and valleys but when you get to postseason if you have an offense that you can rely on to get you runs that you always know really against whatever pitching staff that you face has a shot because of the way they swing the sticks you're counting on a couple of pitchers to get hot, and we've seen other teams make deep runs to Omaha using that same recipe. Yeah, I mean, offense keeps you in the game. Um, and I think NCAA, as we've seen early in this year, it seems like they're kind of pushing offense a little bit to try to make the game more exciting. I mean, everywhere you look, home run numbers are up. I mean, ru runs alone are up. Uh, I think it's more than one more home run per game across the country this year, it seems like. The baseball is maybe a little hot, and obviously we saw that this weekend at Hauser with FGCU. I think what they hit nine home runs or something in the series. Um, so it's going to be an offensive sport this year. I think that's what this early season has shown. Um, and you're going to have a ton of offenses, offensive series in, in the ACC. Um, so it's going to be a battle, but I think it's 
Florida State has a group of hitters this year that they can stay in, in those slugfests and, and give themselves a chance. I mean, obviously you didn't win the series this weekend, but you're a base running error away on Friday from winning that game. You're a, a third inning collapse defensively on Saturday away from winning that game and potentially winning that series or even winning all three games if you don't make those mistakes. So if you execute – on the other parts of the game, when you have a good offense, you have you feel like you have a really good chance to win some ball games. And that too is another takeaway. And that Florida State, while they did lose the series, they did outscore. By the way, FGCU in the three games. That's not the way it works. You don't get to, you know, carry the totals over at the end and see who has the most. Uh, FGCU deserves a lot of credit for what they did for two games. But you were a couple of moments, a game of inches away from not just winning the series, but the sweep was there too. There was a path to it. So uh, holistically, Florida State's still in a really good spot, ranked in the top 25 uh, by D1 Baseball. I think there's still a lot of belief there. Uh, I've enjoyed seeing Jordan Carrion play at this level right now, still hitting 400 and uh, leads the team with 19 base hits. He is, I think, more comfortable in the middle of the order than he's been when he was asked to lead off. I just think his skill set plays better there. The way that they have placed him in the order as well, the protection that he gets uh, has allowed him to, I think, see better pitches um, as opposed to just starting the game off. And and, and certain guys, I think, would rather be deeper in the order than leading off. I think that's also a point we need to make that Diamez Ross being out um, hurts Florida State in that you really don't have another guy that's profiling truly as a leadoff guy they've tried some different guys. I think rank has some, has some, you know, has some positive attributes. Maybe that's the right word. Uh, and I've liked to, what I've seen out of him. He's hitting, hitting 289 right now, but clearly Jaime Ferrer wasn't super comfortable with it. Um, and we wish him as a speedy recovery to get back in there. But a uh, number of other guys too, you mentioned Tibbs and Ferrer. It's been fun to watch James Tibbs. He's punishing mistakes. Anyone who leaves a mistake right now, Tibbs is all over. Uh, and then I think we're going to save talking about Colton Vincent uh, for a couple more minutes down the road so we can kind of tease the interview. But overall, you know, that, that middle of the order has been really good for Florida State. Yeah, the thing I like most from Tibbs is the 500 on base percentage, you know, 11 walks. He's, he's more walks than strikeouts right now. Um, and obviously this, the strikeout percentage was much higher last year than, than it was than it is so far this year. So it's really good to see him cut down there. And I just think that James, to me, has just done a lot of growing up in the last year. And you can hear it in the way he talks. You can hear it in in the way he just goes about his everyday business, I think. Um, He just looks like he's in a really good good place right now, uh, mentally and also in the box. Um, You know, we also saw him move back to the outfield this weekend and trying to work through some things out there after not getting much work out there in the fall and preseason. Um, so we'll see how they decide to move him around in the outfield and at, at between first as well and trying to keep him developing at first base because, you know, you might still need him there in, in the long run. Um, and then Jaime, I mean, Jaime's Jaime just hits everything hard. Um, three home runs. He hit, hit a rocket over the bullpen and left, uh, I think, on Sunday, um, and that ball got out in a hurry. Um, so having those two guys, I think they really like hitting three, four, one, one behind the other. Um, like you said, I don't, I don't think Jaime loved that leadoff spot. I, I think he might have been over ten there in two games. Um, so, yeah, those two, three, four, it doesn't get much better than that. Um, and you hope that Cam kind of gets back in, in the right mental space. To me, it just looked like he was 
just pressing a little bit for a three or four game stretch there with a lot of strikeouts. Um, but overall, I, I feel like Cam's going to be fine, and he he provides you that that third power bat. Um, and then, like I said earlier, hopefully you get Holbrook back sooner rather than later because man, he's going up there to swing. Um, he's not waiting around, um, and he's just he's just going up there to do damage and. The hand-eye coordination and the, and the strength of his hands um, are both—they're both, they're both uh, pretty much elite for the college game. It felt like the Sunday game against FGCU for Cam. He had that base hit. Was it later in the game? Had a single that he roped into left field, and and it started to seem like he was figuring it out. And then had a nice home run against Bethune uh, in the midweek game for Florida State. Uh, he's super talented, right? And he's starting to you know trying to adjust to the college game it's it's different right guys have breaking balls that they can actually use to to not just throw for strikes but to kind of play off of their fastball and you don't see that always in high school uh so cam I, i'm sure was used to pretty much hammering anything firm that he saw in high school and now it's a bit of a more of a chess match uh when he gets to college but i actually enjoyed watching him readjust a little bit too the strikeouts are still going to be there he has swing and miss in his game but Brett, man, the home runs that he hits are majestic. He's so strong. And I do think it's mature of a kid that young to be emphasizing going the opposite field in the opposite way. Yeah. I, the thing I really want to see from Cam is I want to see him start spraying line drives again. Because to me, that's when he's going right is when he's just hammering fastballs early in the count, lining them back up the middle. Um, that's when you really can tell that his timing is on, when he's just smoking balls um, you know, smoking breaking balls through the left side of the infield, um, hammering fastballs up the middle into the, into the backside. I think when we see him start to get into that rhythm again, then, you know, the K numbers will go back down again, and he'll still have that pop in his bat always um, just because of the pure strength that he possesses. And, I mean, still to only have one error at third base through 12 games, um, that's as good as it gets. I mean, 979 fielding percentage over there is elite. Um, so it's been really good to see him handle that position how he has. And I don't, I, you know, even when he had that bit of a stretch there where I think his batting average dropped to 200, um, the defense was really, re still really good and he was doing a good job not letting his offense affect his, his defense. Um, so that's a good thing to see from a young kid. The defense, too, at times is, I mean, it's like there was one play against Bethune. Did he flip the, the ball to his hand from the glove? As he back was to back plays like that. I don't remember if it was, I think it was Bethune. It was Bethune. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of looked at me like, did you just see that? Where it was his momentum carrying him towards the first base bag and, and he finds a way to flip it from glove to bare hand and still, you know, 93 across the diamond to get it to first. He's smooth out there, man. I know you say he profiles as a shortstop and I don't doubt no, that. No, no, he profiles. But it's third, third base, base, but yeah. He profiles as third base. That, that, because yeah. that to me is where he seems. Like, it's tailor-made for the MLB. Yeah. That his body fits over there. His arm fits over there. The length um, of his limbs to get to stuff. Um, it just, yeah, that play, it's just like you just feel like you're watching a major leaguer sometimes when he makes a play look that smooth um, and just flipping a ball up to himself. It's kind of like, I mean, when you turn on major league games after you watch college games, you're like, the way they make this look so effortless and just almost like an art, like that's – it's just different watching big leaguers and sometimes Cam at third base when he does that type of stuff and then the ball just explodes out of his hand um, on the throws. It's just like, whoa, that's 
that's something that's different than most college third basemen that you see. And he's done a nice job coming in on the baseball too. There have been a couple of slow dribblers to third that he he shows that athleticism getting there. And so, I mean, Cam Smith's going to be fine. He's a lot of people's pick for ACC freshman of the year. We'll see if that pans out. He's tied, I believe, for the team lead in home runs with four right now. So that's going to be there. He seems like a double-digit home run guy for FSU this year. And as he continues to figure it out, he might move right back up in the order as the guys get healthy, right, as you get Ross and you get Holbrook back. Yeah, yeah, I don't – that's going to be really deep in the middle of a power of power straight. I mean, if you have, if you have a Tibbs, Ferrer, Holbrook, and then Smith, and then a Ben Barrett, I mean, those are five imposing presences in the box that not many guys want to face. Um, I mean, they're going to have physical bats all all the way through. I don't know if the home run numbers are going to be massive, but when it comes to doubles um, and, and just creating havoc on the base and they can do a lot of different things. Um, and like I've said from the beginning of the year, I just think this team is going to hit and it's going to keep them in games. And they can just do a, a lot of different things with that lineup, especially when they're full strength. They're going to have – I mean, it's going to be tough to get everyone in the lineup. You're still going to have a, the trait and rank. Who? What do you do with him when, when Diamas comes back? And what do you do with Ben Barrett when, when Holbrook comes back? Um, you know, what do you do with a Cade Bush? Um, all these guys are going to be able to work them in and out of the lineup once you're fully healthy and, and really be able to do things late in games that you can get very creative and, and just win ball games in a bunch of different ways. Yeah, I, I want to talk about Ben Barrett as well, but last last point on Cam Smith, uh, uh, Brett, and, and, and I want your thoughts on it as well. Ideally fully healthy, right, this lineup. Is it Diamez Ross 1, Cam Smith 2? And then you follow with uh, Tibbs Ferrer of some sort, Holbrook into carry-on? Is that, is that the front six? I mean, like you said, there are a lot of options. If carry-on likes that sixth spot as much as he seems to, then, yeah, I guess so. Um, because Cam at two is protected there by Tibbs, which means he's going to get some more fastballs. Obviously, if Diamas is on base, too, they can't can't really work around cam at all and you don't want to put runners on for tibbs either um so that's a really good spot to have cam at just to let him be protected and see good pitches to hit um i do like jordan in the two spot but obviously the way he's going at six right now it's hard to touch him it's hard to move him and he seems like he really likes the role of trying to drive runners in and i think he likes to swing early in the count and just get himself going and so I don't know. I don't know exactly what that lineup will look like. No matter how you put it, I don't feel like it can be wrong. Um, once you get all back to full strength, um, so we'll see. I mean, you still got to figure out who's who's your everyday first baseman. You got to figure out what you want to do in left and right um, between James and Jaime, um, and also the other guys like Trayton. Once Diamas is back. Um, and, and you still have Jordan Williams and, and Jordan Taylor, who I hope they don't give up on because those are two athletic guys that can help you. Um, Lance Triple is another guy out in the outfield who's athletic and can play either corner and really help you. Um, so a ton of options. But, yeah, I really like Cam in that two spot because of the protection it, it gives him um, when they're fully healthy. Not a bad option to have, is it? Uh, Benny Barrett has been, I think, a development for Florida State right now and it you have to find the kid at bats right 
I mean, it's a it's a big body. It projects well. And he's just spraying line drives. I mean, left and right. What is he hitting right now? I'm, I'm looking at my stats. And Ben Barrett, 471 in 17 plate appearances officially. You got to find that kid more at bats somewhere. Even when everyone's fully healthy, he can help you in that lineup. Yeah, so Ben is someone who I think they knew could hit and that would be ready to hit as a freshman. But I think the thing going into the season was just it it felt like a much bigger need to get him ready on the mound more so than in the lineup because you felt like you had depth in the lineup uh, where you don't have depth uh, you know, on the mound, obviously. Um, but sometimes a bat is just too good to, de- to deny from the lineup. I mean, Ben just – he consistently puts together quality at bats. He consistently puts the ball in play, sprays line drives all over the field. He's an opposing presence in, in, in the batter's box. I mean, I think he's listed at six foot three, six foot four. I want to say um, there's going to be power in the bat at some point when when he starts to add on to the frame a little more. Um, so yeah, he's just overall he's a really good hitter. Um, you know, I also I think right now the focus with him may need to just be get him as comfortable at first base as you can. Um, With all the work that he's done on the mound, he hasn't been able to get over at first base, get over there and work too much. Um, But Ben was a really good high school third baseman, I thought. Every time I saw him um, in travel ball, I always thought, you know, he was an athletic defender at at the corner and someone that could pick it and someone who could make any throw from third. Um, If Cam Smith wasn't here, he'd probably be – FSU's everyday third baseman right now, um, but Cam Smith is here, so he didn't need it. He didn't need to be used over there right now. Um, but if you put him at first base, that gives you another athletic body on the infield that can really pick it. Um, you just have to get that him comfortable around the base, I think. And that's kind of been the thing with this defense so far. Is the one thing you really don't have is someone who's comfortable around first base. It seems like. Um, you just don't have someone that anyone that looks real natural over there right now. Um, so I think that's probably their biggest focus defensively is getting someone um, that feels and, and looks and is comfortable over there and is natural over there. Um, and, and that will help out the rest of the infield. Yeah, he, he's really talented. And you and I have talked about, you know, off of the, the record button, um, how they want to use Ben on the mound because he does profile there as well. And that he has an opportunity to help you. I mean, this team's going to need as much as help as it can get on the mound. So that balance of what can his body take, what does he, you know, struggle with if he's doing, you know, pitching and hitting what, what maximizes his talent and his abilities? Cause that's going to have to be a part of the equation for Florida state. Barrett's also a young kid and still trying to figure out how to do this every single day at this level. Uh, but the Knowles have had this, right? Like in the past with 11, you had Mike McGee who did both. Uh, Buster Posey did both. Um, and the list goes on and on. You've had hitters and pitchers, you know, not not trying to forget anybody or, or not include anybody, but you've done this before with guys that can pitch and can be in the lineup as a DH. And uh, like you mentioned earlier too, they do have to figure out first base. Maybe Ben Barrett is the best defensive option at first base for you when the season kind of boils down to it. So I don't know. A lot of games left. There's 12 games into the season and so much more ACC play coming up. I I do want to talk about Colton because, I, I mean, wow, right? Like I'm almost speechless about what we've seen from him. 439 batting average to lead the team. It's one of the best marks in the conference right now. Colton's such a great kid, a good leader, a clubhouse favorite, uh, 
And last season, you know, he struggled at the plate. A lot of that had to do with an injury, you know, that he's shared with us. Uh, but Brett, before we get to his interview, and then we'll talk more about him, how great has it been to see him take this next step forward, switch hitting, and, and also really finding something that has not just been helping this team, but has been propelling it for uh, a big part of these 12 games? Yeah, I think the switch hitting and Link's willingness to allow him to do it and to try it has given him some newfound confidence and just comfort. Um, you know, I think it's really as simple at the plate as he just, he doesn't have any, he doesn't have to worry about anything going away from him. I mean, it's, everything's coming into you except for a changeup. Um, and that, it just seems like he's really comfortable. I mean, there's nothing flashy about it. It's a simple swing that just gets through the zone and gets direct to the point of contact. Um, and it's just, it's working for him. I mean, he's 18 for 41. I think he's, close to his hit total from last year um he's already exceeded his extra base hits totals has his first career triple first career homer this year already has more doubles than he had last year with seven um 732 slugging percentage 489 on base percentage only eight strikeouts he's also been fantastic behind the plate you know i think that first inning um on sunday with carson i mean there were like three pitches that i i just was amazed that he blocked them that were just elite blocks that he made one after another after another that probably saves at least a run in that in that first inning um and he's also thrown out four of seven runners um so he's completely controlling the running game just like he did last year um i mean really he's like your team mvp right now it feels like i mean the what what he's given you at the bottom of the lineup and also behind the plate i mean he's caught almost every single inning this year so far um so yeah i mean it's just been it's been really fun to watch and i really enjoyed the conversation i had with him um really hadn't talked to colton much before today and you know i just really enjoyed our conversation just seemed like a baseball just geek almost not a geek but like he just gets into baseball as much as anyone i've ever spoke to around the program um someone that just loves baseball and is a gamer when he's out there um so i really enjoyed the conversation yeah, baseball junkie. Yeah, uh, so what, to that's speak. what I was going for. No, baseball junkie. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, here is Florida State's catcher and team leader in hitting right now, Colton Vincent. All right, I have Colton Vincent up here in the Florida State baseball press box. First time for Colton being on Sunday Golds. Colton, just first off, how's it going and how's this season been for you so far? Dude, it's been fun. I'm excited to be up here and talking to you for Sunday Golds. I've been listening to it for like two years <laughs> yeah. now, so it's fun to be a part of it. Obviously, going back to last year, a um, bit of a tough season for you at the plate. Um, just what was last year like for you? And I guess, what did you learn about yourself going through that? So last year was, I got, my hand got blown up very early on in the season and it kind of never came back around. So mm -hmm. my hand was always tight through my swing. So I had to change my approach kind of from gap to gap to basically I have to just put the ball in play at this point. Like right. I just need to have competitive at bats, but now with Link letting me hit lefty and giving me like the opportunities to do that, it, especially now with a healthy hand and I can just swing with no like thoughts of an injury or anything right. like that, I can kind of just like go out there and just do what I do. It's, right. it's a better feeling, more comfortable. I guess just take me through the switch hitting process for you, I guess from the time you first started doing it to doing it in Juco and then what happened when you got here first and then I guess going back to doing it again this year yeah so i mean 
when I when I was a little kid, I kind of always had a little bat in front of the TV watching yeah. Rays games, and I, my thought process was, I don't want to mess up my right-handed swing, so I'm going to take all my hacks left-handed in front yeah. of the, in front of the TV, and I just did that all growing up, and like 13, 14, I kind of mentioned it to my coaches, like, hey, I can hit lefty, and he was a big, kind of like Link, like he loves right. a switch hitter, so he let me do it, I got, got like a base knock through the four hole, yeah. but nothing ever came out of it, and then kind of just always started, kept working on it, but never really got opportunities in games, but the, all my coaches really knew that I could do it. I, they just didn't know if I had the ability to go up there and take competitive at bats. Right. They knew I had a nice swing, knew I could have a decent BP, but they didn't know if I could like take like good pitches and like compete with two strikes. And Link, when, I, when he saw me swing lefty, he was like, would you want to work on this? And I was like, absolutely. I've always wanted to work yeah. on this. And then he let me go out and hit live ABs and I saw the ball well. I was, eh, change-ups are still a little yeah. kind of iffy for me, but like just getting up there and seeing the spins on those balls over and over and fall and him just letting me go out there and having, giving me confidence in myself by just giving me the opportunity right. to do it. Kind of just, I didn't really care anymore. Like I was swinging left-handed. If I struck out, I struck out. Yeah. So that mindset for me kind of just like helped me work through the bad times and then once I started feeling good it was kind of there was no pressure on me to kind of right. perform I was just just doing my thing yeah. I wasn't ever supposed to succeed in it mm -hmm. so it wasn't really hard to transfer into if that makes sense yeah yeah and he's he's talked about a couple times just um gosh Arya's calling me right now but um he's talked about a couple times he just saw you hitting the cages lefty and he was like that looks pretty good keep doing it like you talked about his belief in you to do that, how much confidence has that instilled into you? A lot, a lot. Like, even when I would have, let's say we were with Live ABs, there would be a day where I went 0 for 4, right. droop ground out, two strikes, and he's like, he doesn't act like, he treats me like this. I've been hitting left-handed yeah. my, my whole life. He's telling me to keep my hands inside the ball. Like, for me to come to left-handed, it's kind of hard for me to make those little adjustments. Yeah. So for him to keep like, hey, you're doing this, fix this a little bit right here, yeah. that kind of was just like, okay, I can go in the cages and feel this out. And him just keep throwing me out there and letting me get at-bats, it kind of just like something clicked and I just felt confident. Yeah. I know I've seen you out there during BP also. I think you walk, you walk around sometimes with a left-handed glove on. Yeah. I guess, are you just ambidextrous and everything? You just like yeah. doing things both ways? Yeah, I've always kind of like, when I'm bored, I always try and like yeah. write left-handed or throw in left-handed. And when, when I was a senior in high school, I got Tommy okay. John, so to kind of, I just wanted to shag. It's really all right. I wanted to do. So I just threw on a left-handed glove, started catching pot flies, and just like, I would sit in the mirror and just work on my like left-handed form, right. like in slow motion, just to get really good at yeah. it. Yeah. Because I thought it'd be cool to be, yeah. like, be good at it. Right. I guess... How much confidence do you have in your arm right now? Last year you did a, a good job controlling the run game, and I think so far this year you've thrown out over 50% of base runners. Just how much confidence do you have in your in your arm? Uh, a lot. Like, my arm is one of the things that got me out of high school was right. my ability to catch and throw. So still relying on that, and then also being able to go perform offensively is mm. really nice. Like, I'm not just relying on being able to throw two or three people out yeah. to make a difference in the game. That makes sense. Yeah. Like, that's nice. Right. I guess you talked a little bit about seeing the spin differently from the left-handed side. Is it just being able to see everything kind of come into you rather than stuff going away from you? Is it as simple as that? 
Kind of, honestly. It, it really is. Like, if I'm sitting up there facing a right-hander as a right-hander and mm-hmm. he's throwing 95, 96 sinkers and then popping a hard slider at me, it kind of, like, takes me off the plate just a little bit. It takes me off my approach. But, like, now as a lefty or a righty, I can, like, hang my – I can hang in there right. longer, way longer. And you saw that in TCU. I kind of yeah. just poked my elbow out there. It wasn't really smart with a no elbow guard. But yeah. Like, I like being able to hang in there. Yeah. And if I see a curveball pop in my head, I might pop out. Right. But now I can kind of just hang Stay on. Yeah. yeah. You've, you've, you've made that right field fence your friend recently. Just having that thing out there when you're hitting from the left side, how much do you enjoy it? Uh, I love it. I know. Just, like, anything I hit hard, I know will, like, create havoc right. for the other team. I guess how much, how much has Link helped your game, not just at the plate, but also behind the plate? A lot. He... The whole coaching staff, they came in with an immediate plan of what they wanted the organization to look like, and that goes for everything, position-wise, pitching-wise, catching-wise. And learning their system and how they do things was was a challenge, but it was because they're so regimented and they expect us to be so good that it kind of raised my game a little bit. Like, I have to, especially as an older guy coming back, like, I have to set an example and like do things the right way so I can leave something behind here and help Link right. build what he wants to build. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. You feel like you've taken on a little bit more of a leadership role this year? Yeah, yeah I do. Um it kinda snuck up on me being the older guy. Yeah. Like Juco coming out with COVID, like I kind of just never really thought of myself, especially when coming with Chaz yeah, right. and uh Clayton. Mm-hmm. Like dudes are twenty three, I'm twenty one, they're older. Now being their age yeah. and seeing all these freshmen, it's like I feel the responsibility. You know, like I kind of have to like nudge them in the right direction yeah. if they're doing something a little off. Right. You guys are working with Wally every day now. The catchers. Just how's that been, and what's your relationship like with him? Good. I love Wally. He's a good guy. He knows a lot about what we're doing out there, and he likes to get us into a routine, which is really nice with this long season. Yeah. Being able to just like. We don't have a spoken routine. We kind of just look. He looks at me. I look at him. We walk to the cage and we get our stuff done. Right. And it's it's nice to build up to that into a game. How comfortable are you behind the plate when you when you're catching guys like Wyatt and, and Carson that you've been with here now for three years and and you've been able to see them so many times in the bullpen and out there on the mound in games. Dude, yeah, I, catching them, catching Wyatt, Seawit, Monty. J-Bomb, that's the most fun I've had in college baseball, like, catching those guys, Seawit and Wyatt, like, they're going to do exactly what you want them to do. Right. Like, like, obviously, it's baseball, but they are going to give you their stuff every single time, and for us to have that consistency in a staff takes the pressure off me, Mm -hmm. because if I can go out there and know that these guys are going to execute the majority of their pitches, like, I don't have to feel as like I am it's like chaos back there it's almost like we get into a rhythm figuring it out and it, it's it's nice you've got a lot of big innings for Wyatt and he's been in that kind of extended shutdown role for a bit now from last year and early this year when he's out there in the mound late in games just how confident are you and how much fun are you having uh, back there so much like dude I can see it in his face that when he comes in bases loaded he loves it yeah he is expecting to strike three guys out and get us back into the field and when i see him come in and i see the look on his face i'm like we're about to get something done right here and then just lastly i guess just this weekend i mean Jameis, uh jalen ramsey and a bunch of guys are coming out on friday and then obviously saturday the buster posey stuff's going on 
Just how excited are you for this weekend to see all those guys and also to, to get ACC play started? Dude, it's very exciting. I got to see Jameis briefly last, either last year or the year before. Two years ago. Two years yeah. ago, and he was, didn't really say much to the guys, but I'm excited to never met Jalen Ramsey or yeah. Buster Posey before. And if I could, I hope to have like at least like a minute conversation right. with Buster, just like get some tips. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like what's it like catching the World Series? Right. Man? Yeah, it's sweet. Yeah, appreciate it, Cole. Yes, sir. Big time thanks to Colton Vincent for joining us here on Sunday Golds. Uh, another player interview here on our great podcast and uh, something you can expect for the rest of the season as well. We're also going to do some behind the scenes stuff with uh, staff members for Florida State, support staff um, and, and people behind the scenes again that make FSU baseball go that you may not see every single day. Um, and, and they are just as important as, as the players and the coaches to the success of FSU. All right. Well, Brett, look, man, you said team MVP before the interview. You can you can kind of sense the excitement in Colton's voice as he was going through that interview with you and man uh, I've been I've been really happy for him I think that's the the word that I use the most is he took a lot of criticism last year uh, I think from message boards uh, from from media from from I mean TV I mean it, it, anywhere you looked it was like you know people were were kind of dogging him and, and he had been great. Uh, defensively, you had sang his praises, um, and and I think highlighted the value that he had to Florida State uh, on this podcast. But he has been a revelation. I think that's the best word to use for that too. And if he can give you anything remotely close to what he's given you for the rest of the season, uh, you've got a chance to do some damage because guys who hit 400 at the bottom of your order. First off, I'm not sure you're going to keep him at the bottom of your order uh, if he hits 400 for the rest of the year. But uh, what that does is it really gives you no free outs. And, and if you're an opposing pitching staff, Brett, like, what do you do? Yeah, it just makes opposing pitching staffs have to grind and just wears them out when you're that deep in your lineup. Um, you know, I know some people have said that they should move him up in the lineup or I don't know. I just I just wouldn't touch him. I mean, he's just... He's getting good pitches to hit right down there at the bottom of the order, um, turn the, the order over. Um, so I wouldn't touch him. I'd leave him there and just let him do his thing. Um, and he just keeps catching the way he's catching. Um, you don't, you're probably not going to have to move him from anywhere. You know, you're not going to have to move him from out behind the plate except for, you know, hopefully when Holbrook comes back, they can give Colton some days off his legs. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to hit 440 for the entirety of the year, but – like you said, if he gives you anything close to this, if he gives you just competitive at bats and, you know, if he keeps hitting doubles like he has been, I mean, I think he leads the team in doubles right now. If you had told me that before the season, I don't think I would have believed it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's been a complete 180. Um, and I don't think, you know, people just don't know what's going on behind the scenes sometimes. And his hand was all banged up last year, and that happened pretty early on. Um, and he's – He's a tough kid, though. I don't think there's many tougher kids right now um, in college baseball. And Colton Vincent, he catches a lot of innings. He does it well and um, doesn't ever complain about it. I think he, he wants to be out there every single inning that he can to catch. Yeah, I think when you get McGuire Holbrook back as well, it gives Colton a chance to kind of take a breather um, and, and have a day where he's either off or is it in the lineup as a DH. I mean, you, the way he's hitting, he better play every single day um, in the lineup and – Again, very happy for him. You mentioned competitive at bats. I think outside of Diamez Ross, before he got hurt, 
there wasn't a guy who had put together more competitive at-bats. And Colton's not swinging at junk. I mean, he's finding pitches. When he gets down in the count too, Brett, I've noticed he has a good tendency of working the count back at least to even or full and making sure that it's competitive all the way through. He he rises pitch counts. Um, he hammers fastballs that are left up in the zone. And uh, that that's something that's super important for this team too. But Colton has been a complete hitter all year long. I mean, he, the numbers obviously last year weren't good, but the thing I always said was he does fight and he does put the ball in play. Um, he just couldn't really impact the ball at all last year because of that the hand and, you know, trying to keep it from getting worse so that he could be out there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the left-handed hitting has been, I mean, tip of the cap to him for being able to do that off coming off a couple of years of not doing that at all. Um, and like we talked about in the interview, I mean, I've seen him walking around throwing balls left-handed and shagging left-handed. I mean, it's he does a lot of weird things out there, but he seems like he's pretty talented and can be – I guess he can probably be an ambidextrous pitcher too, but um, we'll just stick to the switch hitting for now this year. So, again, thanks to Colton for joining us here, and uh, it really has been an impressive guy at the plate so far for FSU. All right, I think we've pretty much hit on the bats. Uh, let's move forward a little bit. Uh, we've got to talk about the arms, and, you know, you, you said you forgot – a big five. We had just talked about a big four. I think that's that's what you, you didn't forget anything. Um, the, the four that you mentioned, and then we had, I guess, briefly talked about what does Jamie Arnold give you um, in the starts. He's been better on the midweeks um, than he has been on the weekends, but he hasn't been you know bad by to me by any stretch on the weekends. And uh, but I have been a little bit disappointed in in some of the the weekend starts. I thought J-Bomb took a step back after, you know, how strong he looked at TCU. Um, FGCU is really good, and, and I want to credit them. I, I don't want to just completely pin this on, on Jackson because I also think his defense let him down too uh, at times. But you do need somebody to step up, take the bull by the horns, and be a consistent Friday night guy for you at, at this point. Carson is also not been very strong through the first three starts. Uh, I thought at TCU he he showed flashes of a, of someone turning a corner maybe, but that has been the story of Carson I feel like for 3 years. It's puts together a good outing, then the next outing's not so good. And that happened against FGCU. They were all over him. Uh and the talent is still there. I think you can it's evident he's a really good player. He's a great person too, fun to talk to. Uh, great locker room guy, comes from a great family, but it's your junior year, right? Like you're in your third year and the expectations ramp up. And I think it might be unfair to pin what FSU needs on those two guys, but those two guys have to be dynamite for you if you're going to be able to use Crowell and Whitaker out of the pen. But to me right now, like th those are the two guys that I would like to see take steps forward and, and kind of lock down spots on the weekend uh, so that your offense can play and that your offense can be the difference. Yeah, so obviously not great when both of those guys only go 2.1 for you in the weekend and all three of your starters only go 2.1. Um, with Jackson, the, the, the big one of the big issues with Jackson is that sometimes – 
he can be two different pitchers from the windup and the stretch. And that's something that's Link has talked about and something that they're trying to figure out. Um, he just kind of loses a little bit of life on his stuff when he goes into the stretch. And I think it's because he does a really, really good job from the windup of getting his low is of getting his lower half involved and getting power from his lower half. And when he's trying to be quick to the plate with runners on base from the stretch, it kind of changes how he throws a little bit with the lower half and doesn't generate just as much power and it loses a little bit of, of bite off the, off the breaking pitches. Um, I mean, I just felt like once he got into the stretch, FGCU, that older lineup just made him work. Um, he just wasn't able to get – he wasn't able to get fastballs for swing and misses anymore. They mostly were just getting fouled back. And then the slider didn't have enough bite, so they were able to lay off of it when it was out of the zone, which then allowed them to get on base with a couple of 3-2 walks, I think, and load the bases. And then he almost gets out of it, but then he gets a 3-1 fastball ambushed for a single – um, and then obviously the error happens there that kind of changes that the outlook of that game early on. Um, you know, I thought they made a mistake by putting Baz over at first base to start just because he just hasn't worked over there a ton. I mean, he, he did do it in fall and, you know, he did do it a bit last year too, but he just has never looked, he's just never looked really comfortable over there in my opinion. Um, and he just, he didn't look comfortable on that play. Um, and he broke to his right and then tried to get back to the base and then him and J bomb kind of get caught in between. Um, so it's just an awkward play. That's tough for a first baseman. That's really never done that. I mean, that was his first career start at first base, I think. Um, so that kind of changes there and he's already thrown, I mean, I think he threw 48 pitches in that second inning comes out. Kinker ambush is the first pitch fastball pitching is really just three things it's keeping the baseball off the barrel keeping guys off balance and, and throwing strikes and I think a big issue with FSU staff right now is they're doing a really they're they're really struggling to get hitters off balance because so many of these guys are becoming very one-dimensional it feels like there's a lot of guys that have really become just two pitches um, I mean even Carson like that's part of the thing that is struggling for Carson is just I mean, he's really struggling to get left-handers off of him because he's only really got the sinker and the and the, and the slider now. Um, doesn't really have the change-up anymore. And the cutter, you know, it's not really included either. With Jackson, didn't throw the change-up much. I mean, it was mostly fastball, which the fastball's good and it has life, but when he's out of the stretch, it doesn't have that same life and you don't miss the same bats. Um, so, I mean, you got a, a lot of stuff to work through with the staff and you've you just got to mix and match and you got to get creative and, and try to figure out your way to get through innings. I mean, I've thought about it a lot. I've have some ideas of my own, um, but you just, you, you're going to have to get creative. I don't, I don't know if there's ever going to be a hundred percent correct answer. Um, but more so than anything, you just, you need to get better weekends out of J bomb and out of, out of Carson. If you don't, you're, it's going to be a struggle. Um, you just, you just need those guys to be, as good as they can be. And uh, I think we need to both reiterate, we do believe that both Jackson and Carson can be important for you and and lock those spots down on the weekends. I think both of us believe in their talent. Both of us believe in their abilities. They've shown you dominance uh, throughout. 
you mentioned something to me that I thought was important. Jackson still was only making, what, his fifth start? That was only his fifth fifth career start, third career weekend start. Okay, so he's still learning how to get through different situations. I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that he is young, that experience is the best teacher, right? Like you're not going to be able to replicate what experience can do for you. And Jackson, I thought at TCU showed you the best version of himself and someone that I'm looking forward to seeing how he pitches this weekend. I still think he'll be the Friday guy against Pitt. Um, and I, and I look forward to seeing if he can replicate what he did at TCU. Can the fastball be lively? Can he keep himself in good position? And can some of the off-speed pitches play against the Panthers? Carson's one that I, I, I I'm hoping the light turns on at some point. He is still just 20 years old, young for a junior. But he has started three years, right? Like he's had three years of, of pitching at this level. He has seen these teams. It shouldn't phase him anymore. Uh, and the biggest, I think the biggest disappointment I've had is that Carson still struggles with command. Like, like fastballs, trying to find the corner, can't find the corner. Hitting batters. Uh, guy gets on base feels like Carson kind of unravels at times. These are things that you would not expect a, a guy in year three. And he was at Team USA this summer. Uh, he has Friday night stuff. I mean, it's big league, first round talent. If he puts it together, and I still believe deep down in the heart of hearts that he will, because I do believe that, the, you know, the, that Carson Montgomery will pitch at the next level. But you got to see it because it has never been more important, Brett, for a team than it might be this season. You don't have Parker Messick and Bryce Hubbard that you can call upon. Like, the, this is your time now. You've got to take the the reins and kind of be that leader. And, I, you know, I'm hoping Carson kind of turns a corner here as ACC play starts. Uh, because then let's talk about what, you know, the options now. I, I think Wyatt Crowell showed you the best stuff of anybody on the weekend in terms of, being able to slow down FGCU's bats. But that happened on Sunday. And the series was already over. And Wyatt's in there trying to salvage not getting swept as opposed to being in a key spot on a Friday night or a Saturday night. And there's also, you know, Connor Whitaker and, and what he does. He didn't look as sharp uh, in on Saturday. Uh, coming off of, what, two days rest from throwing 71 pitches against USF. Uh, and Brett, I'll let you touch on the USF uh, management of the bullpen, extending both guys to a combined 130 pitches on Wednesday in a 13-inning game. It felt like you got backed into a corner because of that. Yeah, and I don't really know what you do differently in the USF game. Um, I mean, it, just being there that night, it was just like it didn't feel like they had – other choices it didn't feel like they had other ways to go about it because the offense was doing nothing so you know you had to you know you had to put up zeros or else that you felt like you were gonna lose that game and I mean that's what was happening I mean Connor would put up a zero and then the offense would go three and out and Connor would put up another zero and it'd go three and out again so it felt like in that moment you didn't really have a choice but then you start to look at the pitch counts and you're like oh boy these are really starting to climb like I don't know, are we going to have these guys for the weekend now that FGCU lineup's pretty good? But I don't know. It's tough because you can't really just – it's hard to just bite bite the bullet and, and not go for a win once you're in and once you've kind of doubled down on it. Um, 
I think it's kind of just living. You live and you learn, and maybe you underestimated F- FGCU a little bit for how good that lineup was. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was more concerned about Seawit throwing fifty plus pitches on on Saturday after throwing seventy plus high leverage pitches on Wednesday. Um, I just that seemed a little a little reckless to me. I don't know. I just that seemed like a lot this early in the year. Throwing wide 150 plus pitches in a what five day span? I think it is. I don't. I don't think that's something that you want to do ever again in the season until you get into the postseason. Those are two things that I wouldn't do again if I was them. Throwing that many pitches in those short of stints. Um, so I don't. I don't know exactly where you go with it. I. I do think Wyatt will start this weekend. Um, but outside of that, I don't. I, I think J-Bomb should be another weekend guy. Outside of that, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know for sure what, 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 what way you go after that because, I mean, Monty is just – the fastball command on Sunday was really bad. It just – he didn't really know where it was going. And when it was in the zone, it was over the middle and, and getting crushed. Um, I thought something looked off with him, the way he walked around the mound so much and looked like he was trying to work something out on his lower half. I don't know exactly what. He kept kind of – moving his hip flexor around and doing some stuff like that and a lot a lot of walking around around, around the mound and expending energy there um, it was just weird I don't, he just seemed like he was battling something and could just never get himself in a groove um, so yeah I don't you you've really got to get creative and, and think about some different ways here to, to get through it with the pitching staff uh, they know they don't have depth they've said it over and over again um, so they know they're up against it, but I, I do trust them. I think they're smart. I think Link has used these first 12 games as over-prepare and see every guy and, and try to see what they can give you because sometimes we forget. I mean, we've seen Jackson Ballmeister, Carson Montgomery, Wyatt Correll. We've seen these guys more than the staff has. I mean, they, they're still learning these guys. They've only seen 12 games of these guys. Well, plus four against Notre Dame last year. They haven't seen these guys much, so they're still learning them, trying to figure out how they work, where they work, what they mentally are most prepared to do. Um, So I just think these first 12 games has been Link over-preparing for every moment and trying to get every guy comfortable and and seeing different things. That's a good point, and it's spot on, and I think it's fair insight. And and you have to keep a level head about these things, and – I think in the immediate aftermath of Wednesday, you were like, all right, big win, walk off. And then you were a little disappointed after you lost to FGCU, and you're thinking, boy, it would have been nice to have Wyatt and, and Connor available uh, at full strength for a weekend series. And and I do think this staff, you know, like you said, is learning. Um, they will tinker with things. I thought Ryan Dennison, by the way, has given you some really good innings uh, as of late in his last couple of appearances. That could be a revelation. Uh, right, it's a slider, right, that he throws? Yeah. yeah. He's throwing it for strikes, and he's getting it over, um, and his command has been good. I thought, honestly, against FGCU, until he gave up that home run in the ninth, <laughs> Ryan Dennison had kind of took the bull by the horns there and, and stepped up. So that was impressive to me, too. Well, Ryan, to me, is the perfect example of really pitching is just three things. Missed the barrel get hitters off balance and throw strikes. Ryan has three pitches. None of them are super flashy, but they're, they all move and they're all for strikes. It's a fastball with sink, a slider, uh, a low 80 slider and a changeup. And he's got all three throws, all three. He's got them all for strikes. 
moves them around and just keeps guys off balance and guessing. Florida State just doesn't have much of that. Outside of Connor Whitaker and Wyatt Crowell and, and Baumeister, there's not many other guys that have more than two pitches right now that that play. Um, so, yeah, it's, Ryan, to me, was someone coming into the year that could step up and be that third freshman for you on the mound because of that ability to, to do that. And I think he's someone that could be used more in a middle inning type or maybe as like an opener type and get you three innings to start a game, something like that. Ryan's someone that can do a lot of different things for you. Um, I also thought Doug was really good on Saturday. Or no, that was on Friday as well, actually. Um, and I think, to me, Doug is a back-end guy. And I would just – that's how I would use him from now on. It's not in those that's third inning to fifth inning frame like he was used on Friday. I think he's just – he's, to me, is the one guy in your bullpen – outside of Wyatt that's a true like it's a true dynamite stuff like it's he's a real back end arm that if you tell Wyatt if you tell Doug to go out there for one inning on a Friday he's going to be 95 96 with two breaking balls that play um but when it's he's big, out, it's big league yeah when he's out there for two to three innings and throwing 44 pitches it's going to be more like 92 93 and you know struggle with the command a little bit but he's going to get by because the stuff's really good and many, a lot of college hitters don't aren't able to hit it um to me he's just some he's one of the guy, few guys that could be in the back end and get you some really big outs at the back end of games yeah oxford armstrong barrett other guys that i think have shown you in one inning spurts maybe two inning spurts can get you big outs and and, and i thought uh, Shout out to David Barrett, by the way. Came in against Bethune, and I thought he did a really nice job um, through two innings. They they stretched him out for a third, and I think the pitch count got up, and and you know then they pulled him in that third inning. But um, did a good job as the opener against uh, the Wildcats, and you know Army and Oxford, two lefty arms that can match up and and get strikeouts and get guys out, um, and and that's a nice thing to have too. You know, moving over to to a Doug Kirkland who is more of a back end eighth ninth inning guy, um, but. It'll be interesting to see, Brett. I don't know how they're going to piece this together. Crowell can certainly start if you need to down the road, if that's what you feel is best for your team. Uh, did he go 5.2 innings against? Yeah, career high. Yeah, and it looked good. I mean, up until like that last inning, they didn't have a chance against Wyatt. Uh, and Connor I mean, Whitaker, I mean, we what, know what he can do. I mean, it's solid stuff. It's strike throwing, um, and he attacks you. Wyatt is the best pitcher on this staff, and the coaching staff knows that. It's not like they went into the season where, like, let's put our three best arms in the rotation, and we're saying that Wyatt's not one of those three. It's not that. It's I mean, Wyatt is so good. I mean, it's it's unbelievably good stuff, and it all stems from how good the slider is and his ability to use the slider in different ways and – that's why Wyatt is someone who can get by with just two pitches sometimes, even though the changeup is also really good. Um, and he, all he has to do with the changeup is just show it a couple times, put it in the back of a guy's mind, and then goes from there with just, you know, just dominating with fastball slider. And his slider, I mean, he's able to manipulate it in so many different ways against right-handed hitters. He can throw it back door. He can throw it back foot. Um, against left-handed hitters, he can throw it off the hip and then, and then just run it away from them. Um, for a swing and miss. I mean, he just, 
that pitch is just so, so good. So, like, even when his velocity has been down a little bit, the slider has still been completely unhittable. And it's like you could almost tell guys it was coming and they just don't see it. Um, it's just that good. And whenever Wyatt's out there, you feel like he's going to be dominating, whether that's the first six innings, last six innings, middle three innings. Whenever he's out there, you just feel like he's going to be really good for you. So wherever you feel like he's most, most beneficial – you put him there, and if it's starting right now to try to get some stability there, then do it. And I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how this is going to turn out with the pitching staff. How it, how, what, what the best version of it looks like. Um, it's tough. I mean, I think about it all the time, and it's there's never ever one scenario that it just seems like all right, that's going to work. Like it's it's just tough. There's just not a ton of options, but you just try to work your way through it and. And figuring out where guys fit in best and what they do best. And Wyatt being able to do anything for you and go anywhere for you has allowed you to try to figure out some other guys. And now you kind of go from there and put the puzzle pieces in where you see fit. You know, he gave up his first extra base hit of the season against FGCU. Wyatt? Yeah. And he doesn't even, he looks sharp, but it's not even the sharpest we've seen him. He's got 11 free passes, I think, seven walks and four hit by pitches in 14 into two thirds. Like when he's fully back to being Wyatt Crowell, which, you know, when, when his, his stuff plays up and he's 95, 96, like imagine like not being full strength and being a one, two, three ERA. Like that's, that's filthy. The kid is incredible. And I, I just wonder what they do. I mean, and can they start him? Yes. Then the question becomes when he comes out of the game in the fifth or sixth inning, well, then what do you do after that? Is that, you know, I don't know. And like you said, do they move uh, Carson into the bullpen? Hasn't done it a whole lot in his in his life, so I don't know that that's the right answer. Does Jamie Arnold move into the bullpen? Maybe that is the answer. I mean, maybe you do have two lefties that go on a Saturday, and Crowell and Arnold are what you pair together. But then again, you and I have talked about this. You value the middle innings anyway, so Arnold should start, and then Crowell should come in for him, right? Like you, you value finishing a game more than you value starting a game. And so the options are endless. It goes back to, to what you said about, I mean, there are so many different things they could do. And, um, that's Chuck Rostano's job. That's, <laughs> that's Link Jarrett's job. Our job is to come commentate on it and, and, you know, give opinions. You've got to get extremely, extremely creative to make this staff work effectively. And like the way that I mean, I've, the best idea that I have come up with in my mind through looking at it over and over again is you go TBA on every single day. I don't have any name starters. I'm TBA every single day, and I'm going to mix and match my way through the first three innings with my matchup arms because this staff is made up of a lot of matchup arms and guys that have one a fastball and a breaking ball, and they don't have much else. I mean, that's what David Barrett is. That's what Brandon Oxford is. I mean, there's there's a few guys in this staff that, I mean, even Carson right now, like I said, is kind of a two-pitch guy. Um, Andrew Armstrong is a really good matchup arm too. So, like, there's there's a few guys, and Jamie right now is only a two-pitch guy. He's a fastball slider guy that is, is really effective against lefties, and he's effective when he when he has the, the, the slider to the back foot of right-handers against right-handers. But, I mean, I think you match up those first three innings you try to get through them. You keep the game close. And then in the fourth inning on Friday, you bring in Wyatt Corell and you give him the ball and you say, go give me 
you know, you got the ball the rest of the game as long as you can go. And I'm saving Doug Kirkland for the ninth in case he can't get through six innings. If he goes five and then you go Doug for the ninth, something like that. And then the next day, Saturday, you try to mix and match your way through the first three innings with your matchup arms. Jackson Baumeister comes in in the fourth. He tries to go as far as he can go, and you have a couple guys back there. Sunday, I mean, maybe you go Connor Whitaker. Maybe you stick with with uh, with Carson as the guy that comes in the fourth inning, something like that, or you throw Connor Whitaker the first two on Friday and the first two on Sunday because Connor is someone who you know can bounce back well. I mean, it's, you just you have to think of a bunch of different ideas and ways to get through this because – if Wyatt moves to starter, then who is getting Wyatt's ounce in the last three innings of a game? Like who, who is getting all those ounce that Wyatt got for you? Like you got, so you see what I'm saying? Like when you move Wyatt to the starter, then who's getting Wyatt's innings in the, in the pen? Like it, it's someone that you moved down to the rotation who wasn't succeeding there. Okay. But now they have to go get ounce potentially in the last three innings of the game. So, I mean, it's just, like what do you do? What do you do? Are you, you, I don't know. I, I miss Parker Messick. What about you? I mean, I'm, but I miss like the Jonas Galaros and Davis <laughs> Harris of the world I do too. Miss them too. Like yeah. it's, it's. You not only do you need good starters, but you need good right. back end guys too. And you just, Brett, when a staff comes out and says publicly, you know, like when a coach says on record. Razor, on video, razor this thin. Is, no, he said. He said this is the most thin staff I have ever had. Well, he said in the last few years after that. Okay, he said so, in the last five, but he just said it was razor. So he's he said saying it was razor that he has thin. had more razor thin staffs at UNCG. Well, yeah, not exactly what Florida State's going for is to replicate UNCG, right? Like you're you're trying to win a college world series. Point being, not a good situation, right? Like right now is they are. Oh, he, he has a lot of work to do this offseason to replenish and to make sure that, you know, that, that they're in a better position. Brett, you know what has to happen? You need to have Jackson Ballmeister and Carson Montgomery be nails. That has to happen. They are not commodities. They are needs, right? Like They are needs for this team. Uh, you need Orion Dennison to be consistent. You need one more freshman probably to step up. Does Ben Barrett... Is he a revelation on the mound like he has been at the plate? Is Jamie Arnold, you know, in May, finding a gear that we hadn't seen in February and March? That was, These things have to happen, though, right? Like, this is what has to happen. That was a huge revelation in the Bethune-Cookman game was Jamie Arnold found another gear that I've never seen from him. I mean, I've, I've followed Jamie Arnold since 2020. I've always thought that, you know, there was – more velocity in there, but I also had gotten to the point where I was like, this kind of might just be what Jamie is. Cause he's been that 88, 90, 91 kind of for three straight years. Like he's been that same kind of velocity. Um, but you know, I had heard that he tested really explosive with some teams. And so it's like, we were just always waiting for that next gear to come with Jamie's fastball and randomly against Bethune Cookman, his last three pitches were 92, 93, 94. And at first I was like, I don't know. I think the gun might be wrong. But then I heard that he was up to 94 on track, man. I mean, that's, I mean, that is a huge deal for him. Being able to re- rear back and like Jamie's never been someone who I thought like was gassing out or was always going 100% effort because he's someone from that low slot and his pitchability that he knows he doesn't always need it to get by and he can save some. 
but I think he knew he was only going to go two innings against Bethune. He knew it was his last three pitches. He reared back, and he he found a whole other gear. And if you can find something like that moving forward out of him, um, that's big. And I've always said I really think Jamie's going to be really good, even if you know he got hit a little a little bit by some of these other teams. I mean, he's a freshman. He's still only thrown, what, 12.2 innings? Like, Jamie's going to be really good for you over time. and That's why I say in May. Yeah. Like, you never know. You never know what – but that has to happen, right? When I had someone I, text me and ask, well, what's best-case scenario? They need to find a way to get Jamie's changeup back. Like, even if it's not working, he can't just be a two-pitch guy. Like, some of these guys just – they need to find a third pitch with some of these guys because it just feels like a lot of the time that they can get predictable at times. Right. And that's not because of pitch calling. It's just because when you only have two pitches, I mean, it's 50-50 for a batter. There's – 50-50 is a lot better than 33-33-33, guessing-wise. Like, you just – you have a way better chance to guess and be on time with pitches when it, when you've only got two. So it's just – got to find something with some of these arms. you got to find an, an extra component, something else that's going to keep hitters off balance. You know what's good, though, is that Chuck Rostano and Link Jarrett have – track records of guys developing i mean you've seen it at notre dame and uncg pitchers get better under that staff so that's something to look forward to good conversation man i think this was fun pod uh really quickly i think we should preview pit just because this is going to go out late wednesday night early thursday morning they're seven and six led by former florida state pitcher and pitching coach mike bell uh he's now in year five uh in pittsburgh they are a decent lineup, and the pitching staff so far has been disappointing for them. They went into the JUCO ranks and the transfer portal and got a, a number of arms, um, but this is a team that has lost some some games to like Maine twice. Uh, they lost to did they lose to Mount St. Mary's, I believe. They, yeah, they did. They lost to Mount St. Mary's. Um, they just lost to South Florida. Brett, they've been on the Florida tour. They have lived in the state in every single game but one. So 12 games in the state of Florida. Uh, Mike Bell brings his team down. It's you know often hard to play in the state of Pittsburgh this time of year. And uh, they've played in Sarasota, in Port Charlotte, uh, DeLand. Uh, I think they went home to play one, one midweek game. That's bizarre. And then came back to Florida. Yeah, they've been in Tampa. So, I mean, Mike Bell is basically at spring training in, in Florida this year um, and they just keep flying back and forth i do believe that they actually have extended this road trip out um where they flew down last week and have just spent the whole week in the state of florida um getting ready so uh this will be an interesting series you know they have hess i believe getting healthy at the right time for them he's Great. one of their projectable hitters um noah martinez is a transfer from central connecticut state had big power numbers last year and i believe he's off to a really good start again this year, Sky Duff has been there an eternity. Um, Dominic Papa, his brother Nico, was really good player for Pitt. He's in the lineup every day. Uh, I'm trying to remember everything because I'm calling this series for, for ACC Network. CJ Funk. Yep, CJ Funk's runs. pretty good. Uh, AJ Nessler, a yep. freshman from Jesuit. Jack, Jack Anderson. Not not our Jack Anderson. Uh, different Jack Anderson. Yeah, Jack. our Jack Anderson would not be hitting 365. <laughs> I hope Jack listens to this episode just to hear you basically say he can't hit. Oh, definitely. 
be happy about that one. But AJ Nestler, uh, yeah, he's a freshman from Jesuit. He played with um, Ryan Dennerson and Jamie Arnold there. He starts every day for them and has been one of their best bats early this year too. Um, so obviously, you don't want to underestimate them. We saw what happened when they came in here a couple years ago, and it didn't seem like a series that anyone was really paying too much attention to or had in mind very much. And you ended up getting swept by them at home at Dick Hauser. So, um, and obviously it's going to be a pretty big weekend at Dick Hauser with Jameis and, and all those guys there on Friday and then, and then Buster on Saturday. So it should be interesting and fun. Um, and hopefully they can kind of stay locked in throughout all that stuff going on. Yeah. I think a series win is the expectation. It would be a pretty big disappointment if Florida state did not win the series. I think Link will have the guys ready to play. They, they bounced back well against Bethune, I thought. The offense is cooking. Um, I think a sweep's on the table, too. I really do think FSU can sweep uh, this pit team. 6 o'clock Friday, 3 o'clock Saturday, 1 o'clock Sunday. Uh, Buster Posey, the uh, jersey retirement is on Saturday. Make sure you're in your seats by 2.30. They're going to do that ceremony on the field. Um, one of the all-time great catchers, not just in college, but maybe baseball history. Uh, Buster Posey, three-time World Series champion. And, uh, yeah, your boy's on the call for all three with Brandon Reichert, who actually played with Buster Posey at Florida State. And uh, this is a chance for Florida State right now, Brett, to get back on track and start ACC play with a bang. Yeah. Um, I was just going to add on Pitt that Dylan Simmons is on Pitt. If, if Anybody didn't realize he'll, he's in their pen, um, has 15 Ks and 8.1 innings, has allowed four earned runs, so a solid start to the year for Dill. Just wanted to get that in there to shout him out. Um, but overall, their pitching staff, 6.03 ERA, so obviously not too good. But, yeah, I'm excited to get conference play underway. Um, season really starts getting going now. Um, BC the week after this one, obviously UCF midweek next, to, next week as well. So, um, the real true grind, I think, really starts now. It's going to be interesting to see how they they work their way through it. But as we've talked about, I think the offense gives them a solid floor. Gives them a chance in every game and uh, a real opportunity. If you can hit in college baseball, you got a shot. Yeah. So, all right, Brett, good stuff from you, man, today. You guys check out Brett's work at Knowles247.com. Uh, I'm over on the Osceola.com, and uh, we appreciate uh, those of you who have supported us as well. But a big thank you to those of you supporting Sunday Golds. And, uh, again, we're on Apple, on Spotify. Please leave us a review if you can. Uh, let us know what you like about this pod, and uh, please hit that five-star button. It does help. So we will talk to you guys early next week, Florida State and Pitt from Tallahassee. Hauser, a big weekend celebrating uh, Florida State football, Buster Posey, and hopefully three wins over the Pitt Panthers. That's Brett Nevitt. I'm Mario Masuti, and this has been Sunday Golds.